0: Chapter 15 Citizens Contract Instead of a Constitution. Mayors are better than presidents when it comes to waste disposal, and there is a lesser chance that they will maneuver us into war. Nassim Nicholas Taleb, Philosopher and Statistician. The contract that every resident has with the operating company is the central document of a free private city. Therefore, residents should be referred to as contract citizens and the contract as the citizen's contract. This agreement explicitly and conclusively regulates mutual rights and obligations and replaces a constitution or fictitious social contract in a free private city. In a sense, it is the personal constitutional charter of each individual. All applicable rules, including the underlying private law and the ordre public, are part of this contract. As such, they shall also be made available to the contracting parties, at least as an appendix. It is one of the weaknesses of existing systems that neither long-established citizens nor immigrants know what rules apply in their country, especially as the rules are constantly changing. Ignorance is no defense against punishment, but it remains very difficult to figure out which law applies. This is different in a free private city. It is also necessary because the citizen's contract is a purely private contract. Therefore, all parts of the contract must be well defined. Basic Questions First of all, the question arises as to who is a contracting party at all. On the side of the free private city, this is the operating company or the city it operates as an entity. On the side of the residents, these can be individuals, families, or companies. The normal case is the citizen's contract between the operating company and an adult individual. A contract with families is possible, but requires a mechanism in the event of divorce or family breakdown it seems more appropriate to provide each natural person with their own contract. Children are included in a parent's contract. If the children are of age, they can and must decide whether they want to accept the rules of the city and remain contract citizens. If so, they must conclude their own contract and pay appropriate contributions, even if in practice these are initially still paid by the parents. A transitional period during which young people can test other systems is conceivable. If they then deliberately reject the order of the free private city and refuse to sign the contract, they must leave the free private city. Anything else jeopardizes the basic principle of a contract society based on voluntariness and hence also threatens social harmony. With regard to companies, it makes sense to conclude a contract with those companies that have their own legal personhood, such as limited liability companies and public limited companies, so-called legal entities. Small traders and sole proprietors who do not wish to pay twice as contract citizens can switch to other legal forms such as partnerships. In order to avoid circumvention, a general contractual obligation could be imposed on companies above a certain size, irrespective of its legal form. Special agreements can be made for special or particularly large companies wishing to locate here. Special contracts are also conceivable for individuals, for example, for those who are only staying temporarily, for example, for construction projects in the free private city. It may make sense to grant them a special status that contains reduced rights and obligations. For commuters who only work in the city and for visitors, a special status will be required. Due to the private law character of the free private city, they must confirm in some way that they agree with the application of the rules. A large sign at the border of the private city might suffice. It would stipulate that by entering, you agree to the rules of the free private city. Alternatively, a document is signed upon entry and, if necessary, a daily contribution is paid, which also includes health and repatriation insurance in case of emergency. Content. In terms of content, the citizen's contract covers three areas, namely services, the legal system and breach of contract. The services to be provided by the operator are regulated in the Service section. These may vary from city to city, but the core area is the protection of life, liberty, and property of contract citizens. In return for those services, the contract citizens undertake and pay a fixed amount. Compare Chapter 24. The legal section would regulate the default private law system, including the corresponding rules of procedure and the dispute settlement system, the applicable parts of the law of the host state, the guaranteed unchanging rights of the contract citizens, and finally the ordre public, which ranges from rules of conduct to powers of the security organs up to criminal law. The disruption section describes the conditions under which the contract can be terminated, what sanctions are imposed for breaches of contract, and how and where disputes between citizens and the operator about the interpretation of the contract are negotiated. Dispute Resolution While the city operator offers a proprietary court or arbitration system for the conflicts amongst the residents, a separate procedure should apply to the disputes between the operator and the contract citizens. One of the understandable points of criticism of current systems is that disputes between citizens and the state are also decided by the very courts established and paid by the state. Therefore the contract should provide for proceedings in such cases to be tried or resolved before a neutral or an ad hoc arbitration tribunal see chapter 13 an example might be if individual clauses of the citizens contract are interpreted differently or the meaning of the contractual provision is not clear in a certain case conflicts of interest are also possible For instance, because contract citizens are dissatisfied with the services of the operator or deny the facts relevant for a sanction. If the operator disregards unfavorable judgments, his business model is practically finished. Word will quickly spread, hinder the settlement of new citizens, and lead to the immigration of existing customers. After all, legal certainty will be one of the key success factors of a free private city. Finally, even in such cases, contract citizens will ultimately find ways of asserting their rights, for example, by obtaining titles against the operator before foreign courts and seizing his foreign assets. Poor Performance and Non-Compliance Another success factor is the direct relationship between a product or service and reciprocation, The contract citizen pays his own contribution but also acquires a right to the services specified in the contract, such as safety for life and limb. If a contract citizen nevertheless becomes a victim of a crime, this constitutes a poor performance on the part of the operator. The affected party has a claim for damages against the operating company. If criminal gangs roam around the city, The contract citizen has a claim on the operator to prevent this. This is a completely different situation than in existing states where there is neither a claim for damages for poor performance of state services nor a legally enforceable right to security. Amendments and Adjustments to the Contract Even the best contract cannot foresee all possible future contingencies, But a contract that can be changed at any time by the operator or contains vague language is of no real use to the residents. That is what we already have with current systems under which citizens are constantly exposed to changes in the legal situation. The question of amending the citizen's contract is therefore one of the central questions of free private cities. Is the contract kept relatively vague and open in order to cover as many unforeseen developments as possible, or are subsequent unilateral changes categorically excluded? In one case, legal uncertainty and thus the unattractiveness of the free private city would be the result. In the other case, it may lead to the insolvency of the operator. Things might develop in such a way that he cannot afford to fulfill his contractual obligations on the basis of current citizen fees. There are different approaches to solving this problem. The operating company may propose an amendment to the contract to any individual, but only to those who accept the new contract. This is probably unproblematic in cases that benefit the contract citizen, such as reduction in contributions or an extension of services. However, if the position of the contracting citizen is worsened, many will reject any revision to the contract. However, the operator can always offer a new contract of his choice to newcomers. This procedure results in many different contract versions existing after a certain period of time. Another possibility is to completely exclude certain contractual elements from changes, such as civil rights, the whole section about breach of contract, or the annual cost of citizenship. Other, less critical areas, however, may be left to the discretion of the operator, for example, the definition and amendment of traffic regulations. Finally, a general clause for exceptional cases such as war or natural disasters can be included in the contract, making it subject to possible revision. Since such clauses always need to be interpreted, this does, of course, mean a certain amount of legal uncertainty, even if the respective interpretation is subject to judicial review. In newly established free private cities – a one-time amendment of the contract can also be agreed after a startup period of three or five years. Particularly in the initial phase of private cities, some circumstances are likely to arise which were not foreseen when the contract was concluded and therefore require an amendment to the contract. As compensation for this legal uncertainty, early contract citizens could be promised reductions in contributions or other benefits. Finally, it is possible to make certain amendments to the contract subject to the approval of qualified majorities or to grant them the right of veto. Compare Chapter 11. However, such changes should be strictly limited. If this principle is abandoned and any contractual and rule changes are left to the collective decision-making of the residents or the shareholders of the operating company, then sooner or later all the problems that characterize contemporary democracies will return. Then the political struggle to raise the standard of living by gaming the system begins anew. Instead of producing goods or services for which others will voluntarily pay something, a steadily growing part of the population will turn to those political forces that promise the human right to live at the expense of others by revising the contract. But there is another way. If the contract leads to disputes of interpretation due to missing or vaguely formulated clauses in certain areas, then courts can develop the contents of the contract further without changes to the written contract becoming necessary. However, over time this means that the contracting parties will have to observe these judicial developments, but in principle all legal systems based on case law, such as common law, function in this way. The development of contracts in such a mechanism takes place exclusively through binding court judgments and arbitration awards, not through new rules or amendments to contracts. It should also be possible for arbitration tribunals and courts to decide on new types of matters by recourse to the legal principles that have been enforced for centuries and a balanced, reasonable reconciliation of interests. In many areas of life, interest-based arrangements will go into force without the need to bring in the courts, as has happened in the credit card industry, for example, to regulate cases of fraud. Practice will show which model or combination of different approaches is successful. In any case, the operator only provides rules for safety and order, as well as a few other matters. All other areas are thus always accessible to a voluntary, tailor-made solution by those affected. Secession Is there a right to secede for those who no longer wish to live under the order of the free private city? Basically, the desire for secession is a legitimate expression of self-determination. In territorial states whose social orders have never really been approved by the affected, it is often the only way to install an alternative system without violence in the event of serious conflicts. In principle, there is nothing wrong with this in free private cities. The problems are more practical. If one allows property owners or even individuals located in the middle of the city to no longer be subject to the contractual regime of the free private city, Then, numerous freeloaders will use this to avoid the payment of the fee and bypass other contractual obligations while continuing to make use of the services of the free private city, namely security and infrastructure. However, any community that allows foreign systems to grow within it can no longer guarantee security and public order. This is especially true when criminals take advantage of this situation, and use their extraterritorial properties as a base of operations. Contract citizens might also declare their exclusive allegiance to the order of the host State and, in the event of problems of all kinds, call on its security organs to intervene in the free city. Liechtenstein, whose constitution expressly permits secession, therefore restricts the right of secession to its municipalities, which decide on it internally by majority vote. This seems appropriate because the municipality, as the smallest administrative unit, can be defined geographically and can, to some extent, also protect life, liberty, and property on its own. If one transfers this idea to free private cities, one will have to limit the right of secession to separable plots of land or city districts located along the external border. Of course, residents of these areas who do not want to secede can then refer to the contract with the operator, which does not provide for majority decisions. Secession is therefore only feasible with respect for the rights of citizens of the contract if all inhabitants of a clearly defined sub-area really agree to it. Then, the next question arises with regard to the host state. It should pose no problem for the latter if the Enclave simply wants to rejoin the host state. However, should secession strive to create a new community, a new treaty would have to be concluded with the host state, which reject this development and continue to regard the free private city as its only responsible partner. All this could lead to the right to secession being either excluded from the citizen's contract or limited to narrowly defined cases in practice. This seems manageable because the Free Private City is only a small area and the corresponding legal situation is known before the contract is concluded anyway. Termination Since residency in the Free Private City is voluntary, The citizen's contract must be terminable. Life insurance contracts can serve as an example here. These can be terminated by the customer at any time, but by the provider only for good cause, for example, because the contributions have not been paid. If the city operator could terminate the contract at any time, the contract citizens would lack legal certainty, and any investments made, for example, in their own house, would be subject to considerable risk. On the other hand, it is important that the contract can be terminated if citizens commit serious infringements, such as criminal acts against their fellow citizens. It can become difficult for the operator to terminate contracts due to misconduct because these contract terminations can be judicially examined. In this way, even the removal of a convicted criminal can drag on for years on end. In order to avoid this, it could be stipulated from the outset in the contract that, in the event of an expulsion from the city, the judicial challenge in the event of success only entitles the former citizen to compensation for damages, but not the right to remain or return. Property should not be affected by termination of the contract. The absolute guarantee of private property includes the guarantee that it will remain inviolate, even if the former citizen no longer has the right to reside in the city. He can dispose of his property at his discretion within the city's property rules and either sell, rent, or lease it. In this respect, the part of the contract that regulates the definition and the corresponding rights and obligations of an owner will continue to apply. It is also advisable to agree on a trial period for at least the first one to three years during which the operator can terminate the contract without giving any further reasons. Persons with conspicuous behavior can thus be identified and removed without major legal disputes. Alternatively, or in addition, the free private city can adopt the Monaco system, according to which the residence permit is valid for only one year during the first three years. This has the advantage that the operator can dispense with legally contestable contract terminations and instead simply refuse to renew the contract upon expiration. E. Citizenship Free private cities could adopt the Estonian model of granting a mere electronic citizen status to non-residents. The advantage for such e-citizens is that they can then establish companies in the free private city, according to the rules applicable there, open business accounts, and participate in the city's dispute settlement system even without being physically present. The hurdles compared to a real physical residence permit will also be significantly lower. Those who support the idea of free private cities but cannot yet move their residence – could thus become part of the project and benefit from the advantages mentioned. The contractor could require a smaller annual fee and or a one-off admission fee.